welcome to this week's episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fan Podcast. My name's Matt. Scott's with me again. Hello, Scott. Hi, Matt. How you going? We're not too bad. Good win last weekend against the Arch Rivals. Oh, how good was it? It was fantastic, but we'll talk about it later. How, was your, how, how else was your weekend? Oh, yeah, I worked all weekend, so <laughs> busy. Oh. It would have been a spring the step at work, I'm sure, um, after the Bulldogs-Eels game. Yeah, I work with a lot of Eels fans, so it was uh, a bit of fun. <laughs> uh, I'm, did I hear, didn't you message me saying you made Jersey Day just for that weekend? Was that true? <laughs> I was celebrating Jersey Day at Ben Quest last week, just saying. Oh, I, I heard a rumour. Okay, just a rumour. I'll oh, throw that in the bin. <laughs> I'll throw that one in the bin. I heard someone say something. Uh, yeah. Well, this week we got a second audio message again from Tranosaurus. So we're going to go in and play that now as it relates to uh, last week's game against the Parramatta Eels. Then we'll go into our review of the game and uh, what we think. Hey, guys, it's Tyrannosaurus here. And look at us. We have four wins in a row. We have Panthers, Tigers, Rabbitohs, and now the Eels under our belt, beating them. Uh, no false hope anymore for our team. If we can beat a full-strength Eels side, we can beat anybody. We take on the Cowboys on Thursday this week for our last away game. We take on Broncos next round for our final game of the regular season at ANZ next Saturday. We might actually have a decent chance of making the eight. I mean, we have to see the Eels, the Roosters, and the Dragons uh, win this week. Uh, but also we have to see the Titans this week. And um, while it may be unlikely, they did give Melbourne a good run uh, for their money in the first half uh, against the Storm last week. So that was, that was pretty good. Uh, look, anyway, uh, cheers, boys. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Go the Bulldogs. Thank you, Tratosaurus, for that message again. Uh, we could beat anyone, he says, Scott. What do you reckon about that? Well, the last month or so where we're playing, I reckon we could. Uh, I reckon I'll bring on the Roosters, eh? Again. <laughs> Give us another crack. Yes. Uh, I think we, we definitely uh, got a shot at beating uh, the next two opponents, though. We've got uh, Cowboys uh, tomorrow night and the Broncos the week after. So, potential we could uh, win those two games and finish the season strongly. I think there's, we can make the eight. We can make the eight still. I'm a believer. No, one game at a time. It's still alive. Anyway, let's jump into the last week review. Our thoughts on the game. Uh, Kitterbury Banks, our Bulldogs defeating the Paramount Eagles 12 points to 6 in a, well, it was an old style match, wasn't it? It was a grudge match uh, full of uh, tension and it boiled over at a couple of points. Well, yeah, it was almost old, it was old school. It was old school. The rivalry reunited. It's it's weird. The last few years in the, with the rivalry, it's either one of us has usually been a good side and the other one's not so good. And I know Parramatta are in the eight and Bulldogs are not in the eight and it's going to be a very <laughs> unlikely circumstances to make the finals, but it was both in form, kidding each other. Yeah. Um, it's good to see the boys stick together too out there. Uh, there's a few fiery moments, but the boys looked looked after each other. And... Uh, <sighs> It really got the fans up and going too. A couple of big hits, Mike Acevo and Terry uh, Belesiak. That got a big roar from the Parramatta fans at Bankwest. I got a roar uh, from me. How good was that hit? <laughs> even though it was against us, it was a it was beautiful a, hit. It was an amazing hit, uh, an illegal hit. Could I hear it. I always the, felt uh, it. We had the foul play from Nathan Brown, who just did an old-fashioned shoulder charge. 
It was old-fashioned shoulder charge, but my goodness, I've said before, we've debated about late hits before in previous yeah. shows, especially the game against the West Tigers a few weeks back. We've debated it, and we that was the first time we went head-to-head, but my goodness gracious, Nathan Brown, he has to be an idiot. It's just the only way I can put it. He was late and a shoulder charge. What was he trying to do? Yeah, I, I don't know, but he, he sat down for 10 minutes for it. Uh, could have been could have been worse, potentially. Uh, but Graham Annesley came out and said he wouldn't mind seeing him sent off. He said he would have, it would have been okay. He would have been happy with him being sent off. Yeah, especially when you consider uh, Dallin wasn't wasn't himself five minutes after that. Uh, he did go off and come back on four minutes later. But initially, we uh, being at the stadium, we could see him in back play, really struggling to. Um, yeah, it definitely was a concussion, but it's just that arm. You could see him struggle with that arm. He was running like way. his shoulder was gone. Yeah. Like he was running with one arm. Like a... But you talk about the NRL talks about the late hits crackdown. And there's yeah. times we've disagreed on it. And there's times where I think there needs to be a crackdown. If a late hits hit and it's a dog shot, which I think it, that was, a sin bin or a send off needs to be done. But the problem I have here, I reckon it should have been sent off because it was late and it was a shoulder charge. It wasn't like it was a shoulder charge, but still within time. Or yeah. it wasn't. He passed, uh, it wasn't like it was a, yeah, a late hit, but he wrapped his arms. The double Anything laddie. he could have done wrong. And he's facing two matches on the sideline. I would have liked if the NRL cracked down and said six or seven, saying see you later for the year. Well, because well, he's cracking down on late hits. I expected him to get three or four weeks for that. <laughs> he got two, so. Bit of yeah, but noodle scratch on that. Um, would apart you, from but, that, the, the game was exactly the way neither of two. He really frustrated the crap out of me. I think that caused a few silly mistakes by them. And um, that frustration was just the cause of the boiling over of of emotion yeah. out on the field. And um, I think this would have played it perfectly, to be honest. It's never good, well, apart from the Remus Smith, it's never good, though, against your rivals. The team, well, they're, they're unlikely to make the finals and you're in the finals going for a top four spot. You need yeah. a win to get top four. They're probably not going to play finals. It's very unlikely. They need like a, they need 15 results or something at that time, 11 or whatever it was, to go their way. For them to beat you quite effectively, easily could have been playing for nothing type of thing could have happened for the Bulldogs. For them to beat you and throw a spanner in the works for a top four finish, it's... Yeah. And then Souths ended up winning as well the next night. So it would have been just nothing but frustrating for Parramatta. But... Um, I feel, if we go off a little bit off topic a little bit with Parramatta, I feel like they're a bit of a cocky side. With some yeah, of the uh, I, I think just... as soon as things don't go their way, they fall to pieces, the Eels. And I think yeah, that's why they, they won't really have much to say in this year's final series, I don't think. They weren't convincing against the Titans. I know we're going to talk about the other game, but they weren't convincing with the Titans, which gave me a bit of confidence against the Eels. It was a week before I was really watching them, and they... Throwing the ball around, a bit of lost possession, and Titans went down the half time to something like twelve six off the top of my head. It was Eels just on top, but the Titans looked the more dangerous of the two sides. It wasn't only until they really switched on, and they were throwing the ball around like Titans where they were versing like a reserve grade training run or whatever, or versing a reserve grade team. I don't know if they've got the respect for teams outside the eight or not. I mean, <laughs> if they don't now, they I don't know what they can do after what just happened on Thursday night at Bank West. Yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be gone week one of the finals. Mm. Anything um, else? Anything else on this game, Scotty? Anything else? I'd like to um, 
highlight a player, and I know a player who won the Twitter man of the match, but he's not going to win my man of the match, but he deserves a rap. And I think it's Will Hopawati. Uh, as harsh as I've been on him all season, 263 run metres. Filled in a fullback. And he did a, a massive break at fullback, and I thought, oh, no, when Della went off, um, I was like, oh, Hopper's safe, but he's not going to offer any threat. And his first run he did completely bamboozled the Eagles. He ran and 40 metres upfield. It looked slow yeah, motion, went, though. It was slow motion, but he kept breaking <laughs> tackles. And anything he did, I don't know, but he just he still offered a threat. And he played well at fullback and filled in well. And there was just times, like, the micro I watched the game again on KO Sports a couple of days after. It might have been the Sunday morning. A bit of a but plug there. Yeah, KO Sports, yeah. I watched the game, and it was the time when Marcus Evo pushed him on his backside, a fend. And as he was falling, Marcus Evo had the try should have scored and his hand he just had the the, the know abouts just to smack his hand to Marco Sivo's arm, ball carrying arm, which caused Sivo yeah. to drop the ball. And I didn't think when I watched it on the thing listening to the Foxtel commentators, they didn't give it a rap. And I really think he's played a massive part in saying that even though he went back on his backside, I I believe he well, it's one of those things he probably told you he did it deliberately, but it could have been an accident. But I really believed he did that deliberately and just knew about it and just smacked the arm and saved the day. And that could have easily gone the reason we didn't go to Golden Point. So, Matthew, who was uh, your man of the match on the weekend? Well, funny you chose to highlight that, Will Hopalati, because I've actually given my man of the match to Will. Oh, so, so I, I won't talk him up any more than. Than you just did, because I think you've covered it well. But uh, yeah, I thought Will Hopalwadi deserved the belt the match. Uh, I actually left Bay Quest last Thursday thinking Hopalwadi was probably the best Bulldog player on the field. And then after I double checked the stats, uh, to me, uh, he was the belt of the match. So who was yours? Well, there's a second and none. But I've gone with the inspiring leader, Josh Jackson. I don't know if it's more just him, his presence and the way he stood up for the team. But it was, a, it was a, definitely someone who you just love as a captain. I absolutely love Jackson. Yeah, and he's done that twice in a row now, hasn't he? Uh, he's, he's got only 146 run metres. And like his stats aren't, I wouldn't say, overly great. 17, but he was just playing on one arm at one stage when Hopper White threw him the ball and he was playing on one arm and he was down and back play. He definitely wasn't 100% last Thursday night. When, he, when he was playing on. right wing. <laughs> yeah, he soldiered on. He chopped himself like he just the way the game panned out when we had injuries to the yeah. foot like Dallin and Sinbin and stuff like that. It just felt like whatever needed to be done, he would do it. And I've got him in the man of the match based on the effort and leadership almost. Not not going to win him the man of the match on reward or not as in sorry stats, but the man of the match just based on like inspiring, inspirational. Is why I picked him. Fair enough. Sounds good. I don't think any, not too many people are going to argue with you there. Um, just to finish off with the last week review, uh, we are both there at the game. Um, the atmosphere was brilliant at Bankwest. Uh, felt like a finals game in, in many ways. Uh, it was, oh, I don't remember the last time I've almost lost a voice at a game. I think every time something happened, we were streaming. So uh, it was uh, a great, so, great uh, night out, wasn't it? Didn't you uh, last time lose your voice at the Bulldogs, in the actual Eels Bulldogs at ANZ 2011, Corey Payne? <laughs> and to answer your question, it was a great night. I'll just Before we move on, I'll just quickly one run through the summary. Bulldogs beating Parramatta Eels. 
12 points to six. It uh, didn't start off too great for the Bulldogs with Wonga Blake scoring in the first seven minutes of the game. Mitchell Moses converted. Then uh, the two tries for Bulldogs. Will Hopawati on the stroke of half time uh, in the 38th minute. Nick Meany scored a try in the 68th minute. Has, he just can't stop scoring tries now. We bagged him a bit before, a couple of weeks ago saying he hasn't scored anything and now he just can't stop scoring them. Nick Meany two from two with the boot. And then the both two sin bins. Yeah, no, not the same time. Nathan Brown sin bin first with a late hit on Dallin Watelli Zelezniak and Remus Smith sin bin for a headbutt on Micah Sivo, which sees him suspended, but we'll talk about that a little bit in the uh, when we talk about the Cowboys clash. It's that time of the show we look at Pop Watch and we look at the results of the Jersey flag on the weekend and also the Canterbury Cup match. We're going to start with the Jersey flag just before the NRL game on Thursday night. The Parramatta Eels defeat the Bulldogs 28 points to 10. Uh, quite a disappointing result for the Bulldogs. Uh, Matthew, definitely a position where we could have really secured could have really secured almost top four. Well, we would have been top four if we won, and now we're sitting at seventh. And the Eels were fighting for their lives in the Jersey flag. They needed a win. There's still no guarantee. The Eels need to keep winning and hope results go their way, but they uh, they put a, a show on the Bulldogs. You were there for the whole game because I met I met you there a little bit during the game. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Like, just what happened? Uh, it was meant to be an easy win. I know it was meant to be an easy win. I think this seems to happen in the under-20s a lot. You used to see it on the NYC where top-performing teams at that grade would just have a week off. The Bulldogs weren't showing much much out on the field. Uh, they were an all-source and the Eels were dominating in every facet of the game. To me, it's just a case of uh, under-20s team not being able to be consistent uh, throughout a full season and the Dogs just had a week off. Well, the issue is, well, we can give them some... I think they beat South Sydney. They did some Penrith only recently. They've competed against top sides and drew against the Sharks not so long ago. It's been a tough draw. And for those that know the Sharks, Panthers and Souths are all in the top eight. Sharks leading, Panthers and also in the top four. And uh, Souths have just been knocked out of the top four because of the Bulldogs last week. Yeah, last, oh, the week before, I should say. The game before. It's it, I don't know if they've just clocked off thinking we've just had such a tough run and it just all falling off. I don't know, the wheels are falling off a little bit. But that win, the Bulldogs are now sitting at seventh spot in the Jersey Flag. That win would have had the Bulldogs, if they were to win that game, they would have been sitting at third. It's, that's how jam-packed the top is on the ladder. And I don't know, that win could come back to bite us. That could be the reason we don't get a second chance in the flag. Because we can compete with the big the big teams, the good, the really good teams in Jersey Flag. So there's a chance we can compete for this year's title, very much so, but... It could have been that loss could have cost us any real chance. I mean, we still have a chance to get that top four, but it's just made it a little bit harder for us. That's right. And uh, we also had a loss in the Canterbury Cups against Wedworthle. Yeah, so that's this is a disappointing loss. Uh, 28 20 was the full time score in the, against the uh, Wedworthle Magpies. Uh, the half time score in this one was 14 6 to the Bulldogs. Uh, disappointing. Jack Cogger, Matthew, came back to play. At five eight in the in the number nine jersey, funny enough. <laughs> uh, so he was playing five eight, wearing nine. Hasn't been able to get some game time. We'll probably talk about that against the Cowboys, as he's named against the Cowboys again to play. We'll talk about if he'll get any game time. But while we're on the uh, 
subject to Kogger, he actually scored a try and set up a try in this game. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, some bad news. Uh, Jake Alvaro didn't couldn't finish off the game. Couldn't actually finish the first half. He's actually out for the, the season with Braden Wakeman. Out for the season. Uh, not great so news. Not great news, and especially when they're making finals and both Braden Wakeman or Braden Wakeman being the top thirty, the finals could have been a, an absolutely great experience for him to bring that into the NRL, possibly in the NRL next year. But Jacob Vilio, I should say, Vilio, if we listen to the injury report, looks like he's now top thirty next year. Oh, cool. So they just said that he they've given him extra time and not rushing him because he'll be training in the top thirty. So he not, has, good... he's got not... pure speed. He's got pure speed, and um, I think that's one thing he can't teach. So if you get him into the NRL <laughs> squad, maybe we've got our own and a car on our hands, perhaps. Oh, possibly, but uh, the centers in this team is Morgan Harper and Jacob Rillio. Yeah, could they be the starting centers in two years' time? Possibly. Both very knows? young. Both very young. Both young talents, uh, but also before this game. A big blow to the Bulldogs with Jaden Ockenbaugh withdrawn from the game because we know why Remus Smith's headbutt. So Ockenbaugh had to withdraw from this game to make sure he didn't. There's no injuries concerns, especially with Christian Crichton out. Yep, Christian Crichton out. So we had to withdraw Jaden. It would have been awesome to put Christian and Jaden Ockenbaugh in a head-to-head challenge because they both played on the opposite side of the field. Like Jaden was playing on Nick Meany's wing. And now he's going to play on Remus. You'd imagine he'll play on Remus's wing. Why Christian actually plays on Remus's wing on in the cup. So it would have been okay. It would just would have been an interesting challenge. You could have almost gone one to one, but with that you don't want to risk it. So with that out, so they John Olive was caught into the side as a late replace as a late replacement. But a few injuries, a few things didn't go the Bulldogs' way. But I do have a part watch for this week, and it goes to the very familiar Jack Cogger. Scored a try, try assist, a tackle break, classic half stuff. He's a wonderful half, wonderful halfback. Uh, partly on with Farmy Brown in this game, who's also pretty impressive as well. But uh, Jack Cogger takes so, it out. Yeah, Jack Cogger takes it out. With one, one game back in the wild grades, he takes out the putt watch for his first time, obviously. Uh, most people know Jack Cogger, how he plays anyway, because he's played a lot in top grade. But congratulations to Jack. Um, now, let's, from putt watch to old dog, let's jump right into it. Who have we got this week, Scotty? What's the theme? Uh, no theme this week, actually. I just wanted to just a break from someone... tradition. Break from tradition. I thought, let's make this show a little bit different. I've got someone really tough and... Uh, Physical. He was in the 2004 Grand Final Premiership winning side, and I've picked Marco Mealy, the Yoga. Ah, oh, the Yoga. What a legend! Oh. Met him a couple of times. Very, very nice bloke off it. But uh, as you see, over the course of his career, he knocked out one or two on it. So, oh yeah, was he, he was a. I think he had the uh, <laughs> traditional old school white wine fever. Totally different person once he passed that sideline. Oh, once he went. Yeah, once he ran. On the field, once game time, he was a different bloke. But he's what a uh, what, what a great career, both actually in the NRL and Super League as well as representing his country and his Wales of his state. Yep. So you want to run for his stats? 
Yeah, so we'll go from the Australian. He's played 15 games for Australia between 2004 and 2006. New South Wales, he made 10 appearances for New South Wales between 2001 and 2002, then a break in 2003, 2004, then 2006. He played for New South Wales City 2002, 2004, 2008 and 2009. So playing there. He started his career at the old North Sydney Bears, only playing 22 appearances before jumping over to the Northern Eagles for a while at 34 appearances, then before coming to the Bulldogs in 2002 and playing 110 games for the most out of any club he played for. 16 tries at the Bulldogs. And then he finished off his NRL career at the Roosters with 2000, between 2008 and 2009. Overall played 201 games, 18 tries, 72 points, 105 wins, uh, a win, uh, two draws, funny enough, and a win rate at 52%. He's played 11 finals games for the Bulldogs. But when he jumped over to the Super League, he played for Hull FC. He played 90 appearances for Hull FC in, between 2010 and 2013. Well, didn't get the, quite they got the milestone. But wow, what a legend. He was, just a, and a, yeah, he was a real leader of the forward pack at, uh, at our club when he was with us. And he became probably the leading, one of the leading forwards in the game uh, oh. while playing with us. Uh, Definitely, even though he's played for the Roosters and the Bears and the Northern Eagles, I have no qualms in saying that Marco Neely is a club great. Oh, he's a club great. I hope he gets a membership for the club as a, a lifetime membership. Fantastic. 2004, it was, you'd say he was at his best, was in the best, uh, his prime of his career. But um, how how good, like, just how good he was. He was intimidating. He was. It was scary. He even had the prop look. He looked like a madman. Scotty, just before we leave Old Dog, uh, you want to talk about Mike Emilio's son, Nick. Yeah, so for those that know, Nicholas is playing for the North Sydney Bears in the Canterbury Cup. But I just wanted a uh, fun fact. Mike Emilio actually finished his, well, his rugby league career, I guess, at the Wyong Roos actually playing with his son. They actually had a father-son for the team playing Canterbury Cup, well, which was known as the ISP then. But also, Michael Millie is also a part of our Legends of Leagues uh, Nines tournament with, when the old boys run around. And he's back-to-back champion in that as well. Alrighty, just to mix it up a little bit, we're going to talk about Rugby League World now, our Rugby League World segment. And this week, we're going to talk about, well, what else can we talk about, Scotty, but the Nathan Brown saga at Newcastle? Um, a bomb's gone off and it completely destroyed the Newcastle Knights season. Um, a couple of days ago, it was announced that Nathan Brown wouldn't continue on as coach at the end of the season, and then he's quit the next day. Uh, oh. Players, uh, senior players, have obviously turned the knife into his back, and uh, the story has been, or this situation has been really poorly handled by the Newcastle Knights. Scotty? Yeah, sorry. I was just saying. It's funny. Um, obviously, we know we're Bulldogs fans because hence we're in the podcast. But you've got a soft spot for a soft spot for Newcastle in the sense of uh, how good of it, like, how the fans react. The fans turn up every week in, week the out. The rugby town. It's yeah. a rugby town. I've gone up there a few times for watching Bulldogs games and even other games and through work and stuff like that in the past. And it just really... League sweeps through, and it's just it's it's religion there. 
<laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it's a religion there, and it really does. When, especially when you go to a Newcastle game, it's always fantastic. The smallest Knights game I've seen or been a part of was about 15,000. And I've been there about six or seven different times for an NRL game. And they get there early for reserve grade. I've better than most, I'm better than any other team I've seen. Maybe Panthers pushing them a little bit. But it's just, actually, I'm just heartbroken for the fans, just what they've gone through. Like they've built a a roster which should be pushing top four. Yep. Things have gone off their way a little bit. Uh, they've got a, like I said, they've got a roster of top four. I thought Nathan Brown was doing an okay, at least an okay job, at least to go and round another year at the very minimum. I mean, he's, they had a little bit on and off this season, but they've been some great teams this year. They've played so well. I was afraid, it feels like the wheels have gone off when we beat them for their season. <laughs> I, yeah, I so don't it's all our fault. No, I don't um, say it is, but I'm just, it just feels like, and just to just think that if that's your club, I'm just putting myself, if, if it was my club, I just don't, I just feel shattered for it, to be honest. Yeah, well, like, what what, what was with the announcement that Nathan Brown was leaving at the time they made the announcement? Three weeks out from finals. Um, mm. Like, it had the potential to derail their season. And it has like forty six to four last week against the Tigers. Uh, it was poor timing. Nathan Brown probably deserved another year to show what he could do with the squad that he's put together. That hasn't happened. Uh, if you're a Knights fan, if you're a Knights fan, you should be acting like the way the St George Illawarra fans are now. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, you have the right to. I don't know if the St George Illawarra fans have the right to do it uh, oh. up until the last up until the last month or so. But um, oh yeah, yeah. I think. Maybe the Dragons fans may have been a tad early on their thing, but I think now they've got all rights. They've had the same coach for six years. They've made the finals twice, winning one finals game. Not a great record to have, and I think at most clubs he would have been stacked. But with Nathan Brown, I just want to just go back to Nathan Brown because this is the big thing, is that he's, well, he's first of all, he's built a roster, and, and you know sometimes that building a roster, just because you've got the star players or the players or the squad you like, doesn't mean it's going to click in one day. Yeah. It could take a year to Chavar and all that. But it feels like, to me, the senior players in that squad. Yeah. Do you really want to coach the Knights now? Like, you're a young coach and they give you a chance to coach Newcastle. Would you want to coach them? Probably not. I would... Players, have, players have too much power in their club by the looks of things. I just think like also, the I'd also say I'd be very... I'm becoming very critical of Kalen Pogger as well. Oh, how, yeah, much, but... how much he's got to say behind the scenes and just the way he's reacted to the news of the coach leaving. Um, and then you, then you start thinking back to the way he left the Cowboys. Uh, I'm starting to fear that Caleb Pogba might be one of these really selfish, self-centred type of players. Yeah, it was just funny though because... A 5 eight look, decision as well. You look at, um, yeah, you look at the players in the club, right, and you have heard rumours in the past the past month or two where you start to think is it true like yeah i didn't think i thought it's preposterous they're going all right leave them alone why does everyone want to and you start to think they've done this to themselves in the sense that jesse raymond did he jump out did he get did he get out of newcastle was because it was, because it was nathan brown or was it because of the senior players in the morning yeah was, was the, he? Did, to, did he not get along with a couple of players? Yeah, was he just a personality clash? Then you start thinking of people like Callum Ponga, and I heard rumours about him. And I said no. I said he's a 
a talented player. And I said, if they're going to try to target someone who's young and talented. But the way he took the news, the way he handled the media conference, I know he's young and all that, but the way he came across, he just sounded selfish, self-centered. And I think if I'm if, if someone went up to me and I'm in the coaching game and they said, Scott, would you coach Newcastle? I'd probably say, it's the exception if you get rid of Ponga and Pierce. <laughs> no, I'm being that, deadly serious. I'm being deadly serious. That was serious, quite a big call, that one. It's, it's talent, the talented players, uh, especially Ponga, but you've got to look in your club. The talent takes you so far. It's hard work and people willing to buy into the stuff. And I don't know if Ponga and Pierce are willing, or even, even on that case, David Clemmer. Yeah, the rumor, his name's come up as well. The rumour, he was at the Bulldogs that they weren't upset that he left and the way he left the Bulldogs and how he left a message and didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And how he approached the Bulldogs and just got rid of himself in WhatsApp. If the the rumour was, well, it doesn't matter, but you start to think, oh, maybe that's just, again, put down to smear against him and get a yeah. rivalry. But now it looks like he's a, a centre of stuff. And then there was newspapers saying that the Bulldogs weren't even upset. They lost an origin forward. Because they'll always get someone who's able to work hard, be a part of a team, and they might not have the talent or skill, but you know at the end of the day they'll put their 100% on the belly on the line for the club. And you don't know with him, him and Ponga and Pierce. You almost want to clear them three out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, let, just let's pull, this, let's pull this podcast back towards the Bulldogs and uh, wrap it up with the uh, next week preview. We play next, well, next week preview <laughs> tomorrow night. Against the Cowboys at the last ever game at one three hundred Smile Stadium, we played in the first ever game there, so yeah, it's quite, very quite, touching, quite a nice touch. Very touching. Hopefully, um, players don't get sent off like they did uh, in that first game. Oh no, I hope so. <laughs> Bring us back, right? Rewind us back, take us back. Going back to ninety five. Yeah, that's what. Let's take us back, hey. <coughs> I'll just yeah. quickly run through the Bulldog side. Yep. Uh, not too much. Obviously, the odd, the one obvious change, but fullback Dylan Watelli Zesniak, and the wingers are Nick Meany and Jaden Ockenbore in the place of Remus Smith for the suspension. The centers are Kieran Holland and Matthews Man of the Match Paul Hopperwadi. Five mates Kieran Kieran Foran, who's been playing some good footy, and Lachlan Lewis. The props are Aidan Tolman and Dylan Napa. At hooker is Jeremy Marshall King, who's been playing exceptional. I might say as well. The second rowers and. Uh, Captain Hiwari, Josh Jackson, and he's partnered with Corey Harianaira. And Lockers, Adam Elliott, who's been in some hot form. On the interchange bench, back again is Jack Cogger, Renoff Tumamungai, Raymond Fatala Mariner, and Chris Smith. And the reserves this week is Denny Falalo, Morgan Harper, Morgan Harper, sorry, I was just <laughs> read down. Morgan Harper, because the next question's Farmy Brown, I was just reading whilst going down the list, and Ophihiki Ogden. Morgan Harpu, as he's known to his mates. Yes, yes. <laughs> we know him really well. Yeah, At least yeah. It's not pronounced as what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Just move on from that quickly. Um, so what do, you, what do you expect from this, this week's game, Scott? I actually expect Jack Hogger to get some game time. Yeah. I'm calling it. He's going to play 22 minutes. 22 minutes. 20... Yeah, I reckon he'll come on. Because this is the first time, I don't know if... We're favourites of betting. I don't look at betting much at all. But in my eyes, it's the first game we, we should be favourites in a long time. Yeah, the only figure is that uh, it is the last game at one three hundred Smile Stadium. So oh, maybe yeah. uh, the Cowboys will use that and uh, really create a, create a big event behind it, 
get the fans out there, get behind their team and cause a, a bit of an atmosphere that makes it very difficult for us. That's a potential. Also, Matt Scott, off the back of his heart attack, will be making an oh, appearance. Wasn't it? Uh, stroke, it was sorry, stroke. Stroke, stroke. stroke. Yeah, I was about to say stroke. Oh, stroke, not a heart attack. Very it's the final Matt home match for the Cowboys, obviously, like you mentioned, and the final ever match at One Tree Hundred Smiles. So it's it's their grand final for 2019. So they'll be and doing everything they can to do the win. But I think uh, watching the two teams over the last couple of weeks, you're right, we should win this game and uh, <laughs> hopefully go on to win the game afterwards as well. Yeah. <laughs> be interesting uh, to see Dallin Wattelli's a Lesliak. Uh, there was some reports of an AC joint issue after that shoulder charge. So be interesting to see if he... Uh, does get to the game and get through the game and actually play. So hopefully he'll be fine. He did come back and play against the Eels, but mm. you never know with these type of things. Oh, he said he was sweet on Instagram. <laughs> That's good. He said he was sweet on Instagram. Uh, he's probably taking, uh, probably needs some painkillers. Oh, if, if it is an AC joint break. Pain injection, I reckon. The, the needle in the game, uh, needle before the match starts. I'm just wondering your thoughts. Any changes you reckon possibly? Was the same? The seventeen name will go through. The, the same seventeen will play. I know that uh, With Lock, Morgan Lock and Ball, obviously. I know Morgan Harper's made the trip up to North Queensland. I don't know if they've taken the nineteen or the actual whole twenty-one man squads. But Morgan Harper's posted on social media, so he could uh, be a, a possible just in case for Dallin. There you go. Uh, and then, <laughs> Denny Fly, he actually used to play fullback in or younger grades, so it's not an unfamiliar position for him. And Denny Falala's up there as well in case of a forward. I don't know if Farmer Brown's made the trip or Ophiki Ogden, but they're just in the also in the twenty one men's the twenty one men's squad. Just your thoughts the reason why I want to bring this one up is because we talked about it last week, it's the halfback Lachlan Lewis. Yep. Inspiring defender. I don't think there's much better uh, when it comes to a half a half defender, at least at the very least. Tackles above his weight, but some of his attack, wow, we, it's horrendous to say at best. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if we look at some of last week's games, or some of the last week's plays, what he was involved in, it wasn't pretty, and he just—I don't think he's. No one's really bringing it up, except for us. <laughs> Are we, were we harsh on him? We, I mean, well, I I'm not sure. When, when I watch the games, every time he gets the ball in a playmaking position towards the end of a set, I sort of hold my breath a little bit, but that could just be me. Well, it's just Phil Cogger's 10 times the better half when it comes to a, a, the attacking style of things. I think Lachlan Lewis is a tremendous, tremendous defender, but there was times when he passed the ball way past Nick Meany causing him to zigzag in. It was an impressive that Nick Meany caught the ball and ran back in. Some of his kicks, like he's, he's, I think he's been better at kicking because at the start of the year he kept kicking at least one or two out of the fuller game. But he's starting a little bit better, but then there's been times where he just puts it straight down the wing and throat or the fullback's throat. And it's, we had that with Moses Zambai before and it always gave <laughs> us poor starts. Uh, just in the attacking sense, there's just some things that plays where... He was struggling. There was a few other times where he, the um, pass went to no one. He did that last yeah. week. A pass went to no one. There's times he looks out of the thing. And then last week, Josh Jackson got the first try assist. It took to Jacko. Yeah. 
<coughs> I'm hoping he gets better. But he doesn't he doesn't look like an a, a, an attacking talent. Could just be could just be second year syndrome, but he does look a little bit out of his depth in the NRL, unfortunately. But well, he hopefully, hopefully he kicks on and becomes the superstar that he uh, that Wally was. That'd be nice to have one of those. Hey? Oh, it will be. But I just I just got a feeling that he might he's preferred his best position might be like somewhere like lock or something if he beats up a little bit. Possibly a bit of ball oh. skills and stuff. I think we've come to an end of this episode, Scotty. So, if you're listening and you want to contact us, Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram at NRL dot Bulldogs fans. That's NRL. The Instagram is at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans, not dot fans. That's our email. And the email is NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail dot com. Dot you? Sorry, dot com. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we, we need the script. Down. We, butchered, we butcher <laughs> this every week. We do. Um, audio messages on our on the Anchor app as well. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.